chronic drought in parts of Odisha led to numerous families leaving their village and migrating to cities like Delhi and Mumbai. 14-year-old Sarita lived with a family that included her father, mother, grandfather, two sisters and a younger brother. The severe drought in the region caused starvation, suffering and a desperate need to survive. One of their neighbors, posing as a labor contractor, offered to take the family to Delhi and get them jobs in construction. Along the way, the contractor separated the family and took Sarita and his sisters to Delhi and eventually sold them to a brothel. He took Sarita's brother and put him in a factory making zardori products working 13 hours a day. He placed Sarita's parents on a farm as laborers where they were given only half their wages in the form of limited food and lost their freedom. They were made captive slaves. Welcome to Humans Not For Sale, a podcast that aims to create broader awareness around human trafficking and commercial sexual exploitation. I'm Kashina Karim, Assistant Director of a non-profit and civil society organization called Prerna. In today's episode, we're going to explore and understand more about destination crimes of human trafficking. reality of child labor you may be shocked to know that india has over 10 million child laborers child labor deprives children of their childhood around the world 218 million children are involved in child labor child labor is any work done by children that is dangerous keeps them from getting an education and is harmful to their health and development india is home to organizations in india are sounding the alarm over child labor They say decades of progress is at risk of being reversed because of the pandemic. Many children from poor families are being forced to work after a lockdown that left many without work. The small practiced hands of a 6-year-old. Shamil is breaking rocks at an Indian mine so that the western world can sparkle. The list of reasons for why people are trafficked are long and diverse with exploitation at the center of the act of human trafficking the activity or the purpose for which exploitation occurs can be termed destination crimes some of the crimes that come to my mind immediately are the prostitution trade or sex trade a variety of labor exploitative activities like bonded labor agrestic labor attached labor sweatshop labor things like that then the whole activity of harvesting human organs from unsuspecting or needy fearful victims illegal surrogacy commercial surrogacy illegal adoption supply chain exploitation then there is something called male bride or contract marriages such as mutta marriages then using children as child soldiers or for organized beggary now these are the various destination crimes but the list is big wherever there is a kind of an exploitative activity linked with forcible induction of people or unsuspecting people or vulnerable people there is destination crime that's dr praveen patkar the co-founder of prerna an organization that has been working for more than 35 years towards the rehabilitation and social reintegration of women and child victims of commercial sexual exploitation and trafficking 
Dr. Patkar tells us that the term destination crimes is not a formal or a legal term, but a term that Prerna has evolved and uses to differentiate between the act of trafficking and the purpose for which the person has been trafficked. This is to better understand the nuances of these illegal activities. Today, we're going to explore the following destination crimes of human trafficking. Sex tourism, surrogacy, illegal adoption and forced marriage. Predna has spent years cleaning up the terminologies used in the anti-trafficking space. So let's begin by understanding destination crimes through two of the terms associated with the sex trade, prostitution and commercial sexual exploitation. Dr. Patkar explains the terms and its usage. See, the term prostitution is very old and it has several connotations. Most of the connotations are stigmatizing and discriminating. Even in the law for quite some time from 1956 to 1986, the term prostitution was considered as an activity of a female of selling her bodily sex. Now here, the woman was seen as alone, single or solo operator, doing it entirely on her own and selling her bodily sex. That is not the reality. In 1986, when the definition was changed, it was considered as it is an activity of sexual exploitation for commercial purposes. So if any person is exploited sexually in order to have some profit made out of that, that is prostitution. Now here, the woman is not alone or the man is not alone. Here, there are more than one person. And there is one exploited person, there is another exploiter person and there is a commercial angle to that. If you want to do something about prostitution per se, or if you want to do something about the sex trade, it is very important that we should have terms which are not stigmatized and which don't create a kind of a bias in the mind of the people. And from that point of view, it has been suggested that instead of prostitution, we should use the word commercial sexual exploitation. And if you see the 1998 Plan of Action and the first child national policy on child trafficking of government of India, it also starts with the statement that prostitute is not the right word, victim of commercial sexual exploitation is the right word. Immediately, it becomes a little sanitized, secular, unbiased, clinically clear, operationally clear definition. And we should refer the phenomena as commercial sexual exploitation rather than prostitution. In the year 2000, a five-star hotel room in Aksa Beach in Malad, Mumbai, was raided by the police after suspicious activities were reported. The police discovered pornographic material of small children on a laptop along with two naked girls aged between 9 and 11 years old. It was found that a Swiss couple in their mid to late 50s, Wilhelm Marty and Lily Marty, had been sex tourists in India for over 10 years. According to the police, they would lure street children to their hotel room with sweets, toys and pretty clothes and then force them to do pornographic acts as they filmed them. The explicit footage would then be posted on the internet. The couple were sentenced to seven years imprisonment. However, they were freed halfway through their sentence when the court allowed them to pay compensation to the victims' families. That was a relatively well-documented example of sex tourism in India and one that actually received extensive media coverage. However, 
much of sex tourism happens literally behind closed doors especially in india which has emerged as a global hub for sex tourism and attracts tourists from all over the world so let's find out what is sex tourism and what makes it so appealing specifically it is the victim who is by and large transferred or shifted from one place to another place not necessarily but in most of the cases there is a moment of the victim whereby that victim can be put in a situation whereby there are no support systems and they can best be exploited in sex tourism the opposite happens in sex tourism the exploiter the tourist travels from one destination to another destination and exploits the victims this is called sex tourism why does it happen it is very interesting to understand that because you know there are proverbs in uh, different languages a japanese language says the traveler knows no shame and a european proverb says the farther i go from home the less moral i become essentially we are talking about facelessness or anonymity when i go to a place people don't recognize me and therefore i would do something which i would not do otherwise in my own society and my own neighborhood and in my own country so tourism offers that anonymity or that facelessness to the tourist and he tries to get the best benefit out of that and therefore such activities that he would also consider as wrong in unacceptable in his society he would have the courage to do that in other destinations there are various destinations in india that are notorious for sex tourism places like goa religious or cultural destinations like khajuraho in madhya pradesh puri in orissa as well as various cities in rajasthan and uttar pradesh so who are the victims of sex tourism if you see the cases in goa and mumbai the children may be of the age group of 6 7 8 9 10 12 and these children were kept in places in the name of orphanages which means also that they had no support system there are cases where hotels are involved in providing such kinds of accesses to tourists so at the reception table itself they happen to offer you a package whereby they can take you to orphanages and put you in direct touch with children and it is everybody's guess what must be happening when they go and intermingle with children against money so unsuspected unsupported children have been the major victims of sex tourism and young girls underage girls and the sexual exploitation doesn't end there a lot of the time these children and young underage girls are forced into being filmed and photographed to create pornographic material which is also a specific destination crime of human trafficking they are either coerced into doing these explicit acts or lured into the allied shadow entertainment industry to itni beautiful hai na ji karta hai sari khushiyan tujhe la do are main pyar karta hu tujhse tere sath kuch galat thodi karunga are yaar ek baar hi karna hai uske baad paise lekar life enjoy karo लाइफ में टफ जीने की जरूरत नहीं है मेरे पास एक आसान तरीका है लाइफ चेंज करनी है तो बड़ा स्टेप तो उठाना ही पड़ेगा फॉर मेनी ऑफ दीज यंग वुमेन एंड गर्ल्स हु लैक द प्रिविलेज ऑफ चॉइस ड्यू टू देयर इकोनॉमिक एंड सोशल सिचुएशंस एंड अप बीइंग लर्ड इनटू द शैडो एंटरटेनमेंट इंडस्ट्री एंड आर टेकन एडवांटेज ऑफ सो व्हाट इज शैडो एंटरटेनमेंट 
and how is it related to human trafficking for commercial sexual exploitation shadow entertainment is a term used for that kind of entertainment which is based on somebody's exploitation and which is depriving somebody's one's rights which is violent in nature which is not for the purpose of cultivating pure entertainment or recreation but it is to appeal to the basal instincts of the people and facilitating them or pushing them to indulge into some kind of an objectionable criminal activity such as having sex with children there are places like dance bars for example where there is no dance in that sense and there is nothing to be learnt and there is no skill that is sustainable whereby people can keep making money and you know livelihood it's not there it is essentially to use that moment to titillate this customer and encourage the customer to get into transactional sex with those girls or women who are dancing so orchestra record dancing live band dance bars of mumbai all the variety of forms tamashas also sometimes and they are linked with sex trade or brothels near around the places so it has been seen by the bombay police several cases where there were action taken or search operations conducted on dance bars and it was found that there were places or brothels and cubicles attached to the dance bars which were an intimate part of the dance bars and therefore there was a very strong objection to allowing dance bars to function because they were just a fronting or a facade so these activities which also serve as a fronting or cover for commercial sexual exploitation generally fall under the category of shadow entertainment another destination crime of human trafficking is surrogacy it's popular in india because of the low cost and easy access to marginalized young women and their wombs however there is a distinction within surrogacy altruistic and commercial surrogacy one exploits a woman's body and the other is a willing and generous act dr patkar helps us understand how the indian law looks at surrogacy in the year 2021 a law was passed the surrogacy regulation act prior to that we did not have a law on surrogacy or regulating or controlling or banning or encouraging surrogacy it was not there and the main feature of this law 2021 law is it allows altruistic surrogacy where there is no commerce involved where there is no commercial transaction where there are no material or monetary giving and taking activity and it is done with a helpful purpose with a good intention and then it bans commercial surrogacy where the entire purpose is to get money or to get something out of by paying money but uh, what is important is to understand what is surrogacy and surrogacy is a kind of a medico social arrangement that is getting the reproductive system or uterus of a woman available to keep somebody else's fetus there for the full term of pregnancy and getting it delivered for oneself is surrogacy if it is done for the commercial purposes it is commercial surrogacy which is banned if it is done with altruistic purposes the law doesn't penalize them but it gives certain technical clinical guidelines as to how it is to be carried out for example the 2010 law assisted reproductive technology art law that was more focused on what all care has to be taken in such kind of thing but when the criminal dimension came first of all commercial surrogacy once it is banned why would some women get into that and commit a crime unless they are forced they are deceived they are misinformed they are vulnerable their weakness is abused their consent is procured through by giving material or non material benefits and when this is done it is trafficking 
it has been seen that women have great difficulties in farting with the infant and therefore they are given training to be dissociated from the embryo from the fetus so that they don't have psychological connection with the babies which is like degrading human beings treating human beings and human organs as commodities and services to be lent on borrowed and bought so there was always that process of altruistic surrogacy where there was no money giving and taking of money but women did offer their uterus and reproductive system to be utilized for offering a baby for someone else within their relatives within close relatives or within the people that they know so this law allows altruistic surrogacy it bans and penalizes commercial surrogacy Twenty-four-year-old Shri Devi lives with her husband and daughter on the outskirts of Coimbatore in Tamil Nadu. The family lived in a severe state of poverty, as her husband didn't have a job, and Shri Devi worked as domestic help, which didn't pay enough to sustain the family's needs. Shri Devi's employers were a childless couple, and one day they made her an offer. They wanted a surrogate to carry their child and they would reward her up to 70000 rupees. Shri Devi was reluctant but her husband instantly agreed to this arrangement. Shri Devi eventually went through with the pregnancy. After the delivery with a broken heart she gave up the newborn child and handed it over to the couple. She suffered severe mental trauma and depression. A few months later, Shri Devi's husband asked her to get ready for one more pregnancy and told her that he had demanded 1 lakh rupees for the deal. So far, Shri Devi's body and reproductive system has been leased out thrice. See, there have been cases from Andhra Pradesh, Gujarat, Tamil Nadu and Bombay also where there were certain hospitals and maternity homes specializing in surrogacy. There were lawyers attached to them, there were doctors attached to them. At the same time, there were agents who would make such women available. So, because of regular advertising on the net, the commissioning parents or those who are intended parents would get in touch with those hospitals and the lawyer would provide to them the entire legal framework and the technical clinical framework and the conditions of carrying out the entire surrogacy operation and the agent attached to them would be actually looking going around villages and poor localities and slum localities where women are in need of money badly in need of money and explaining to them and making them agreeable or asking getting them to the hospital so there have been cases where several such women were found for some time living in the premises of the hospitals where they were looking after somebody else's baby in their womb and ready to get delivered and hand over the baby we also hear and read about infants and newborns being sold to childless couples can this also amount to human trafficking dr parker tells us more there are childless couples who desire to have their own child not genetically but adopted child there is nothing wrong in that and there is a provision for that the government of india has certain guidelines called cara guidelines and a cara website and there is a process given whereby you get yourself registered and wait for your turn to get a child in adoption there are certain eligibility criteria not that every desirous parent would get a child it also depends upon several other conditions to be fulfilled but going that way is one way many people do not have the patience and do not have the confidence 
of going through that situation and there are people who do not meet the eligibility requirement but they still require children in adoption so then they circumvent the legally laid down process and procedure and try to get children directly adopted through illegal means and there are people who make such children available and reach out to you or you get in touch with them this is the trafficking part of it baby flicking making those baby available or running some kind of a fake orphanages and making children available easily available for people who want to circumvent the procedure is trafficking for illegal adoption weddings are supposed to be a time of celebration of families coming together of love and a prosperous future for a new couple however for many that is in the case Another destination crime is when women are trafficked for the purpose of marriage. For a long time, India has been called a country of missing women. A phrase first used in an essay by economist Amartya Sen in 1990 when the gender ratio had hit rock bottom at 927 women for every 1000 men. He had put the number of missing women at 37 million. Indian society's preference for sons is rooted in a widely held cultural belief that a male child would carry forward the family legacy and look after the parents in their old age while daughters would cause them dowries and leave them for their matrimonial homes in a country where a girl child is seen as a disadvantage to a family and infanticide is an epidemic there aren't enough prides for prospective grooms so what happens in this kind of a situation dr patkar explains we often talk about sex ratio and we say that the sex ratio is adverse to women that is there are less number of women per 1000 men this also manifests into some kind of a crisis of getting brides and there are more men and deficit women at that age then men are forced or men go out in search of brides go out outside of their community outside of their state also and there have been regular exchange of girls or supply of girls and marriageable age women of marriageable age two men coming from other deficit states and on a very big scale girls and women are supplied to these men very often it is also been found that these women live in a very subservient condition like slaves on the farms or in the on domestic front at both the places they work without any kind of protection of customs and laws they have no property rights they have no status as wives and they are very often shared by more than one man one man may get married but his brothers and father and others several people will use her as if it is their own woman the children that she begets do not have this legitimacy status they do not have a claim on their fathers or ancestral property and they live like illegitimate children now this is very commonly seen in some of the states of northwest india there is also the other side to that it is not that the, just the men are going around there are people who are making such girls available they identify the girls they speak with those girls they speak with the parents of the girls rather they get them agreeable they decide what the amount should be transferred to the parents and in literally the girls are sold now this is the trafficking part of it some kind of marriage and post marital status of the material status of such women 
as farm labor or domestic labor illegitimate wives and mothers of illegitimate children is the exploitative destination crime thank you for listening to our podcast humans not for sale every week we're going to explore the world of human trafficking and commercial sexual exploitation and help you understand the issue Next week we'll be exploring what the Indian law says about prostitution. One thing you can do to help is that if you see a young child in a situation of distress call Childline at 1098. For more information go to fighttrafficking.org your trusted knowledge partner.